Africa Business Report on The Money Show. Victor Khomaswana with the Africa Business Report. How are your book going, Victor? It's going well, Bruce. I'm getting a lot of interest from people I didn't know of, so it's good. Eh? I know a lot of people, but I, I'm discovering I, I, I have not started even. And you've, you've discovered you've not started. In English, no. what would that be? Because you've been working very hard at this. You've been going to give lots of talks. And yeah, you've been going to promote yeah. the book. What's yeah. going on? No, it just shows you that Africa is really the story that everybody wants to know about. I, I spoke at Allianz Francaise last week. I, I didn't have a clue. Remember, the book starts with an admission that because I don't speak French. Yes, you ignore the French I speakers. I tend to ignore the <laughs> French speaking. So it was just a warning that please don't fall into the same trap of ignoring French speaking Africa because I don't look at it. And Allianz Francaise in Durban said, well, come and let's hear about that bias of yours and what you plan to do about it. <laughs> I've met people from Morocco who said, how come Morocco is not in the book? And I said, I don't know Morocco. I haven't been to Morocco. They say, but it's doing well. I say, I know, but I don't know enough. So it just created a lot of interest. Somebody, a former CEO, the guy who hired me, by the way, at EY to, to start the Africa Business Center, was based in Turkey. And he called me from London yesterday. He says, I heard about your book from somebody in Prague. Fantastic. Okay. No, good. Making waves around the world. So, yeah, it is making waves. I'm I'm beginning to feel like a celebrity now. You want us that to ask for my Uh, people I should have asked asked for your autograph months ago. (laughs) Um, You're open for business video series also up online. It's all about finding yourself without cash, moneyless banking. And it's all about, of course, Mbesa, the miracle of Kenya. Uh, Victor takes a look at the two different services where cash is not required. That is up on our website, of course, as part of the Africa's Open for Business series. Africa continues to be open for business, of course, which is why we talk to Victor Hobbeswana every Tuesday night with our Africa Business Report. Uhuru Kenyatta is going on an international (laughs) charm offensive. He wants to draw investment. And he has to because, remember, he came into power with a cloud hanging over his head from the ICC. So when you come in on that ticket, He's a, he's a good president. I must tell you, I think he's saying the right things. He's focusing on the right pro- objectives. But the Japanese, that impresses me because Toyota opened a state-of-the-art business park there. And I like the way the, Jap- the Japanese or anybody who's not Chinese is going about now almost trying to play catch-up because the Chinese come in and solve problems of Africa. They build roads. They build schools. They go for the basic things. Now, the, Jap- the Japanese with Toyota, Toyota is dominant on the African continent, Bruce. There's yeah. not bigger a car brand that I've seen. But they have built a state-of-the-art business park there. And what he's saying is we, we are aware that we need education, we have increased our access, but we are, we are willing to do more, so come and invest. And I like it because what he's doing, he's diversifying the trade mix so that you don't have one country depending on one Another, another one economy where you find that you can almost find that China controls your economy. So by diversifying, getting the Chinese in, getting the Japanese in, getting the South Africans in, because they are South African investors in Kenya, I think he's doing well. But he's just saying to the world, don't ignore us. Remember, they are aggressive in their ICT. No, they most certainly are. But they also, we could create the impression that they <laughs> yeah. are sort of opening the door and without any regulation. There are yeah. other members of his government just saying, hold on a second, we are open for business. Please come and do business with us. But he has the rule book. Um, yeah. We have a rule book and you need to stick to it. Yeah, but they should have thrown the rule book at anybody. A, a, a penalty of 2,000 shillings. 
shillings. It's, it's not if you mine without a license and you get fi- fined two shillings. You can tell it's an old law that was never reformed. It's like when you know we, before we reformed the Companies Act, there was begin there was beginning to be an area in the Companies Act every day that you'd find that was just so outdated. So I think they are saying. Let's upgrade our mining regulation and make it world class. I've got to admit, Kenya hasn't done exceptionally well in attracting mining investment. So they are, they're realizing that one thing they need is regulation and policy framework that will be clear, that will be tight. And I think this is just one of those that says you can't export without an export permit. I agree with them. I would have tightened that regulation myself if I was Balala. They call him Balala, the Najib Balala, the cabinet secretary for mining. Uh, and then also, I mean, more and more people are commenting on Ethiopia's turnaround. Yeah. More people yeah. are going, they're doing what in Ethiopia? Yeah, yeah. Remember, remember they launched a, a 787 Dreamliner flight to to Heathrow eh, in yeah. London. So this was part of the, 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 the celebration and the fanfare. The UK ambassador to Ethiopia, somebody called Greg Dory, His Excellency Greg Dory, saying... The consecutive... I wish his name was John Dory, but that's just me. <laughs> no, okay. no, Bruce. You are such a journalist. No, don't. Just, <laughs> he's saying he's impressed with the Ethiopian. I'm impressed with the Ethiopian economy. I, I've got two chapters about it, Ethiopia in my book. So it's one of those that they have sustained growth over a long period of time. The late president, the late prime minister managed to steer the country in the right direction. They have something called the Growth and Transformation Program, which you can call the equivalent of the National development program here in South Africa, except they are moving very, very fast on it and they're investing in infrastructure. The UK provides over 300 million pounds sterling. I didn't know that. They, they support the development program. That shows. But what I'm saying, I just wanted to tell you about the 787 Dreamliner when they launched it. They called it the Taj Mahal. You know they name aeroplanes. Yes. They called their latest, the number eight, I think, in their fleet. The Taj Mahal. I have no idea how they managed to come up with that name. Well, maybe it's got it's a beautiful structure. I'm, it, I'm, no, it, it is. 787 is a beautiful structure. Magnificent aircraft. Magnificent. Yes. Why is Barrick Gold bragging about gold production in Tanzania? And I, I ask this yeah. question because usually when companies brag about doing something for a country, mm. it means they're about to face some kind of regulatory hurdle or some kind of great difficulty in that country. Is Barrick Gold in trouble in Tanzania? No, no, no. no they are not in trouble, as, or at least not that I know of. They produce 641,000 or so attributable ounces of gold. They are big, Bruce. They are fifth largest in Africa, I think. And you see them. They are so prominent in Dar es Salaam. In the key parts of Dar es Salaam, there is barrack gold. But the beauty of this story is that they are just saying they are contributing, they have contributed about $850 million to the country's economy in 2030. Mining in, 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 in Dar es Salaam in Tanzania is big. Second, maybe only to agriculture in, in terms of the many lives it, it sustains. So this, what I like about this is the report wasn't really coming from Barry Gold. It was coming from Ernst & Young, a gentleman I know very well. You can read about him in the book as well, Joseph Shefu, mm-hmm. who manages EY in, 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 uh, in Tanzania. They were just breaking down the amount of revenue contributed by one company to the revenue base of, of Tanzania. So it is, it is just one of those indirect to induced economic activity. It adds up to about eight, 850 million 
dollars that that's huge for a for an economy like Tanzania which has depended a lot on foreign aid so to see that there's a private sector company that is contributing by legitimate commercial activity uh, I'm I'm thankful I'm grateful for things like that Tanzania's largest producer there and as I say they are in the top 5 in Africa how is Ghana's oil economy doing because well, there, there, there's a, there's been a nice boom there hasn't there evidently very well Bruce I thought it I thought I understood it but I didn't know they were already drawing $562 million in revenues from oil receipts in the, in the first half. This is not the whole year. And that's why they had to rebase because they could see something like this coming. So half a billion, more than half a billion dollars in the first half of the year. Remember this economy in 2005, Bruce, or let's say 10 years ago, was not an oil economy. So for them to come so far and be able to draw that much money, compare them to Uganda, who discovered oil more or less the same time, if not before yeah. Ghana, but they are still building a refinery here, they are doing that. So it is a good story that the Minister of Finance can be able to say we made $562 million from oil in the first now, half. Now, that is that. a good story to tell. Yeah. Um, Ethiopian Airlines says somebody on my uh, SMS line is a profit-making parastatal. Could SAA please learn from them? And finally, should we be worried about Mozambique's coconut industry? We should because Mozambique is a neighbor and we need a thriving neighbor economically. They used to be one of the largest, if not the largest producers of coconut. I don't know about this business, but Mozambique is agricultural as well as is the rest of Africa. So what is a U.S. NGO called Concern Worldwide? And again, smart economic diplomacy by the United States because they are rendering support to back the farmers here to deal with this infection. It's insect-borne coconut. It's called, what is it called? But it's, it's, it's got some scientific name. Yeah. <laughs> so when you see the Huffington Post talk about you, it means you are you're making the right noises. And I think Mozambique is. But 780,000 seedlings that were affected by this replacement of that which had been damaged is all the involvement, the Millennium Challenge account that, was, that used to be. But it used to produce, I think, 62,000 tons of dried coconut flesh. Now it's not even half of that. So it's, it's a concern that if you disrupt the supply side of the agricultural commodities market. You know what happened with coffee, you know what happened with cocoa. So it's the US NGO saying we've got to make sure that this is brought under control because with a global economy something like this could create a natural disaster, a catastrophe worldwide. Author and Africa business correspondent Victor Homeswana on The Money Show.